Welcome to Parenting Vanessa Clones Podcast. Today we have a colleague and a friend and a dog in the background barking. <laughs> Carrie Johnson, who is a board chair at KFS School, which is Cologne Family Services School in San Francisco. She will be interviewing me today. <laughs> so this will be fun. Change of pace. Hello, Carrie. Hi, Vanessa. I'm excited to talk to you about KFS School. Um, and for people who don't know, why don't you just start from the beginning? How did this school get started? Well, so it started with Cologne Family Services, and then we'll tell you how this all started with, we provide social coaches that I call in schools. So we provide like support professionals. And at this time, there was another school that was just coming up, and it was all over the Bay Area, which was alt school. And during that time, they just had a lot of challenging behaviors with kids, and the teachers didn't have the right support. And so I just remember I was at one school, and we had, you know, five professionals <laughs> and then slowly some families left the city but I remember there was one week in December it was right before the holidays can you imagine getting a call that your parent and the school says well we can't handle your child here and at that time each of those children had their own one-on-one -on -one support so the next day I just had everyone come to my house and we just started and I don't need, I'm like, I don't know where they, it's December in my head. I'm like, who's going to take a kid now? <laughs> like, we, <laughs> they need a lot of extra support. And here we go. So it actually started on my couch. And the kids will tell you, it started there. And it was, you know, I happened to have a credential teacher. So it was there. I just didn't realize, you know, the word cash flow and the amount of stuff that goes with it because I just did it. <laughs> I also one that like if I if I need to figure it out, I'll figure it out. Um, and that's what I do. And I have no problem working five jobs at times. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So it really started off with just a huge immediate need. And then where has it gone from there? Well, we, we are going in. Actually, we hit, we're eight years in January. Very excited about that. So we started, we went to Share with Israel first. And so it was like one big room. And then word started going around around kids that just needed extra support if something happened at a school. And they're not sure where to go, so we might be the, the place in between. And then I'm realizing, well, that's not really sustainable for a school. So, and also some of our kids, you know, being in one room, you can imagine if things get a little escalated and some people like to have the last word with everything. <laughs> and you give them break areas in different corners, they're like yelling at each other all the time. So that's kind of how them from there went to North Beach. And so we had two stories, which was amazing view of like over of Alcatraz. And we started getting more and more kids. And so one of the things that the question that kept coming up is I am not a teacher. I, yes, I worked in a lot of schools, but I'm not, I, my background is mental health. And so, and I did 25 years with kids with autism and then, you know, worked on attachment and then some cognitive behavioral work and other things and trauma-based work. And I, so I was very much in the mental health field. And then also working with teachers on classroom management. So next thing you know, we have a lot more kids coming in. But the question was, what's, what's your background? So we started the accreditation process, because I thought that was really important that people like actually respected me. Because I found out that was an issue that was like, well, what? you're not a teacher. And I'm like, but I also have dyslexia and processing issues, so I know how to break things down, and I can help teach a child a concept. Now, just because I don't have that backup piece, um, but we also at this time started seeing more kids with dyslexia, and that's where we started doing Orton Gillingham. So we are certified in that approach. 
So that has been a plus. So I think that alone has really made us more, you know, I don't say value, what would word like, um, I guess, credible in a way? Who knows? But it's just funny what parents look for when they're looking for a school. And they also find that parents want like a lot of students. And I'm like, well, you have a lot of students in the classroom, a lot of kids that have learning and behavioral issues at times, they know how to go around the classroom and not really have make friends and the fun like that foundation piece is missing right so at least in a small classroom you have to do which we call the three r's the social emotional learning curriculum i developed um, which is redo rewind and repair and so with that the child actually has to build that relationship with somebody else you know when you leave the school that day you know that repair happened and that child has a better understanding of their self and where the relationship is so in a bigger class size you can just get like the child just kind of gets you know not seen at times and a lot of the times there might be a conflict with another child and then next thing you know they're going home thinking about it super anxious and then don't want to go to school the next day or there's a fight that happens you know I'm sure you've seen that before <laughs> right so I mean that's kind of where um, it's all gone and then we just moved to the outer Richmond because I think it, people wanted a little bit more you know closer <laughs> North Beach is kind of far for a lot of people. And this is kind of where we are now at eight kids. And I consult in a lot of different schools. And we, I think October 14th of next year is when WASC is going to do their visit. So we're on year four. We have started a PE program, which is amazing, like an outdoor curriculum thing that, you know, being a small school, we have a small budget. So if you want to donate, you can. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, we also work, go to Creative IQ which is two blocks down for our art class. And we, we do a lot of partnering with um, Brady Therapeutic Riding. So the kids go horseback riding once a month, which has been a huge plus because that's where they're able to learn about their nonverbal communication, how to read animals, what they're doing in the sense of like understanding their own body awareness and their own self-regulation, especially around horses. Because you know, if you get hit, that's gonna hurt. <laughs> you don't want that. And then let's, let's see, what else? I'm like trying to think what else there's to talk about. Um, well, let me jump in. Yeah, so it sounds like it's really important for families to know if they're considering um, bringing their kid to KFS school that you are and we are proudly non-traditional. 100%. It's not just the academic focus, but there's a really social, emotional focus. There's other outside activities to, to engage the mind and the body and um, creativity and all of that and that's really something you value so if parents come and they're questioning uh, why is the school so small that's actually something that sets KFS school apart because it allows for that um, small class sizes and, and um, teacher to student ratio um, so I, I just wanted to highlight that um, when you think about the types of kids that are good fit um, that thrive the most at KFS school can you describe like some of the things, behaviors, um, social emotional issues uh, that really seem to work best with KFS? So any child really, but a lot of the kids that, a lot of students that we have are ones that really have a hard time understanding social cues at times. And maybe you're the ones that want to be first and they always want to win. Or you know, if you're looking at the way that they're processing information, everything's black and white. So it's like that, that literal, they're very literal in that sense. And so it's like, how do you break that down and how do you teach? Because a lot of times, or kids with like learning differences, you know, that have 
like how do we accommodate you know kids with have dyslexia or maybe they have you know other things going on where you know with a one to three ratio we're able to help it's not one to one but we're able to still give that that attention right and you know the transitions are very smooth in the school so like kids that have a hard time with transitions or things go too fast or maybe they're hyper focusing on one thing in a classroom such as building Legos when it's time to clean up then they're throwing everything I mean that that's definitely somebody maybe with the ADHD where it's like they're super focused on something else and then which and I'm also not into labels <laughs> so <laughs> yeah well that's something you know I also wanted to, to talk to you about is there might be kids who come to you with certain diagnoses let's say but it sounds like for you that's not really what KFS school is about. So there's not certain checklists of diagnoses that would be a good fit. It's more about uh, behaviors and things like that and what you all feel that you can support. Right, and, I, and also when you say behaviors, I think people think of it as like these outbursts. It's, you know, a behavior could be a child that is sitting under their desk for a while sure. and they're shut down. And it, it's a, a child that maybe just it doesn't want to do anything or doesn't want to talk. So, so it's not more. It's not all like behaviors. It's just really that they need just more one-on-one -on -one attention on the skill building, and they also have a really hard time making and keeping friends. You know, so if you're looking at a child that's playing a game and they can't lose, or if you have a kid that has impulsivity issues, their bodies move faster, and they're super clumsy. You know, they're you know you're always running into another child, and like some kids will decide to not play with you. Now, when you're in a smaller environment. You have to repair those things. You have to be able to work through it and also teach. I think one of the things that we do a lot of times is that we tell a child no, and then we separate, but we're never ever teaching. And I think that's the difference at, at KFS school. You're always going to be hearing a teacher telling a child the language, what they're going to be doing, what's supposed to be said. I'm not going to say, say do this, but we're always working on the social aspect of building a relationship and the social skills so the child feels confident and the feedback I get from parents is that, wow, we just did a karate class and my kid listened. Wow, he was able to like work with another child. Oh, my kid went to a birthday party and didn't freak out when they sang happy birthday. You know, oh my God, my kid is seeing, I'm seeing my kid happy. And that's the key thing. I think once you, when a child knows, you know, child, children know when they're suffering and when they know that they're suffering, the problem then is that they don't know how to express it, but then they act in different ways. So other things start to come up. Right, and so that's one of the biggest problems with kids when, you know, they don't know how to articulate it because they don't know what's wrong, but then they do know. Like I just saw a kid the other day, and I said, you know, is it hard, you know, making friends? He's like, no. And I said, well, is it hard keeping friends sometimes? What do you think? He's like, yeah, it's really that part's hard. Right? They don't want to play with me because I hit, or and we're talking about younger kids, but um, older kids too, like teenagers. You know, we've had older kids coming in, and it's just. You know, they're very literal in their thinking, and it's not understanding that a different perspective of, like, okay, this is how I come across, but it's my way or the highway kind of thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I do know one of our founding children, which you still see to this day, um, he's doing really well, and he's very well adjusted, and he's in a regular class with multiple kids. And, you know, this, the mom called me recently. Um, she's like, I wish my daughter was with you longer, which is sweet because, you know, she was sad and he went in and checked on her and he's like, well, what can I do? What do you need? I, I'm seeing that you're upset. And like, she's like, my daughter would never have done that. But I also know that's what you taught him. Right. So it's that, that piece, that connection is about the relationship. And so when you have a small school, you build a relationship. And I have to tell you, these kids now, it's like eight of them against teachers. 
because they are all so close. Mm. <laughs> like, they protect one another, yet they fight too. Like, don't get me wrong, there's arguments. But they protect one another, and, like, you're, you're seeing this, you know, this relationship building, and there's this closeness. I feel like they, these, these kids might be lifelong friends. Parents get along too, which is awesome. You know, our parent community we're very, is very involved, which is great to see. You know, that mom's night out every month. We, we go to Napa twice a year, all of us, with the kids. I have a friend, David, who opens up his vineyard for us, and we get to run around and stomp on grapes and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's just different different things. So, I mean, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And so it sounds like when you are talking to prospective parents, um, there's maybe some things that you want to share about how KFS school might be different than other schools. Is there anything else that comes to mind that you want would want parents to know before they make the decision to send their kids to KFS? Yeah, you know, um, the mission behind the school, and I think this is what is a huge part of why these kids are doing so much better um, after being with us for a while, is that what happens at school stays at school, and what happens at home stays at home. So that's a clear cut um, for me. And what that means is if a child is having, listen, kids are allowed to have bad days, and I think we forget that. I think we expect kids to be on all the time and, and do all these things and be happy. It just doesn't work that way, right? And we as adults have bad days too. So, for example, if we have a, a child that's just having like just meltdown after meltdown after meltdown, you know, just because there's a day, um, I don't tell the parents. And everyone's like, what? That's just weird. I go, and I'm not, and I don't document things. It's not, to me, once a child comes to my school, when they leave, they're a different kid. And what, what, what I have found is this every time, you know, at different schools, the parents going to get the phone call, oh, you're so and so hit, or so and so did this. Can, it's like every single day. So by the time they come to me, right, <laughs> whether a child was asked to leave that school or not, by the time they come to me, there's a little bit of PTSD of like, I'm getting texts nonstop. Is he okay? Is he okay? Are they okay? What's going on? And I'm like, well, yeah, no, like, you're fine. And, I'm not, and even if he's having a bad day, I'm not going to tell you. Because to me, it's about the child. Once, to me, once the repair is done, and once we've done the three R's, which is, again, redo, rewind, and repair, and with every situation with the child, then it's done. Like, I'm not going to talk about something that happened at 10 o'clock in the morning and tell the parents so then they can go to dinner and discuss it. Why? I think the more that we keep talking about things and not letting it go, then that's where the self-esteem starts to drop with the child. And so I think that's bit the biggest difference. And I talk to teachers, and especially in the public school, they're like, what? You don't? And I go, no, I don't. And I'm very honest. And, and I do tell parents, if you really want to know what's going on in the school, I will tell you, but I need to know that you're not going to tell anybody. You're not going to talk to your child about it, that it's done. And that, to me, is that the child starts to trust me, that I'm not going to say anything. And then usually it takes two weeks for the kids to understand that if they're going home reporting on me. <laughs> like they, I tell the parents, they need to come to me. Like If we've done the whole repair, we've done everything, and they're going home, because some kids will do that, just they want that attention, right? They want your parents to be like, oh, you know this, like they're, that feeling, sorry, I don't want that. I want to teach resiliency, and I want children to be able to advocate for themselves. So it's like, no, you, I'm all, we're not going to have this conversation. Make sure that they come to me, and then we fix it, we figure it out, and we go from there. And once they do that, I don't ever get another text from another parent because it's like, no, well, are we done? And, and I always check, are, are we done from what happened earlier today? And I think that's the biggest difference because a lot of times parents are always talking to their kid about what happened, and then the child feels shame and guilt. 
and it's already done. Like, and so, and then they're thinking about it. So what happens when your child's thinking about it all the time? Then they go back in to the school angry, upset, pissed off, and like, oh, I'm going to get that kid, and they do. Yeah, that feels like a very important distinction um, about how things are handled at CSS in a way that allows for that repair, that safety, that trust building. I imagine that can be hard for both students and parents to get used to. <laughs> well, if you're used to this family dynamic where, like, here's the problem child, right. <laughs> and, like, now it's like, oh, they had a great day. You know, I'm always going to smile when I, like, <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, oh, that was a long day. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, the child's trying. And I think it's funny, like, we will, you know, people will report something for, like, one hit, but yet there are six hours in a day. What about the other five hours and, like, 45 minutes? You know, I, I'd like to stay on the positive, and I also think it's important to, to make forgiveness. And also, to me, if you have a child with impulsivity issues, we're punishing a child that can't control it. And I think for me growing up with my dyslexia, my mom used to get really frustrated during homework. We also don't do homework. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> homework is like trauma times five. <laughs> and like, we're not doing homework. Um, it's too much. And especially if you have a learning difference and you don't, you're not a teacher. And I really want the home to be healthy and the kids to be happy and the dynamic to change where you can actually be a family versus you're not a teacher, you're a parent. And that is what I want. So instead of, you know, I imagine if a parent is getting a call at 6 o'clock at night and they're having this beautiful moment with their kid and then you get that news, that moment is gone and it's going into something else. And they just lost that. And that's what I don't want. I want, I want kids and families to be healthy and the dynamics to go well and everything else. Absolutely, yeah. And the mission that CFS is really connection first. 100%. Understanding, like that sometimes kids have all the feelings, but not all the skills, and that's why the three R method comes in, right? Right. So let's talk a little bit about, um, yeah, what a typical week might look like. What <laughs> kinds of things are going on at CFS? Well, so one of the things that I is different. And, and I didn't even realize it was different until I went to another school. Like, everyone has, like, this time schedule, right? And it's this, and we have a time schedule, don't get me wrong, but it's really like, okay, we're going to start with, I like the kids to come in to do reading, something calm, right? Because I don't need to start the day with, like, lots of high energy because then it's just really hard to, like, tame it uh, later, um, tame it down. But uh, so they come in, they do their reading, and then there's some writing and ELA. And so we start with the harder academics first. But one of the things that's different at the school is that, you know, we'll do the lesson. And some kids need more time or not, right? So we might do the lesson for this amount of time for like 20, 30 minutes. And then once the kids are done, that, they go into another room where they, they could do, they're working on their play skills and there's someone working on like a social piece, right? Now the kids that are struggling in that certain language, that's where they're gonna get more one-on-one -on -one attention. So it's not like we're going from one thing to the next. It's, the transitions are very smooth. And then the kids that are really struggling towards the end will know if, because they're not finishing as quickly, right? So that towards the end of the lesson, that's where the one-on-one -on -one happens. But the kids that are like, another thing, math. I mean, these kids that I have are in the 99th percentile, <laughs> like academically. Like, I mean, super, super, super smart. Um, that's also the, one of the other problems. I think they're too smart because then it's like, how do I how do I mess with you a little bit, right? So if you piss me off, I'm gonna think of ways to like them back. And I was teaching them like, oh, was that the right choice? 
<laughs> what other choices can we have? So that is one of the things that um, is really important. So, you know, Mondays and Wednesdays, we end the day at, at the park doing, um, whether we're doing some organized sport, which is more of like, we just, we're in basketball. We, right now we did soccer. Next we're gonna be doing tennis. So, and then Tuesdays, we have, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have, you know, other professionals coming in like speech and OT, some parents who want that, we'll have that. And then Wednesdays, again, we have the PE. Thursday, we do art class at Creative IQ, so we walk a couple blocks to a nice little art center to learn fundamentals in art. And then we also, you know, once a month, we go horseback riding. But the day really breaks up into, you know, we go to the park and then, you know, lunch and snack, of course. But really, the biggest thing is the transitions because I think a lot of times kids have a hard time during that transition time. So when it's a natural transition and they get to play and then they go back, that's where, you know, um, it's easier and less, like, less behaviors around that piece. And kids are very aware of their expectations. And we also get them a tablet for the last 15 minutes of the day. So if their work isn't done, then they don't get the tablet. So that's actually like a high motivator for them to do it. We don't do rewards. Or we don't we do we don't do punishment either, so it's always the three R's. So that's another thing. A lot of times I get calls from people that are like, "Well, if I take it away, it doesn't matter. They don't care." And or I get the other thing: my kid only wants rewards and won't do anything unless I'm doing it. So that's the child that would be with me. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> you get a lot of questions like that and a lot of um, sort of traditional behavioral consequences and rewards have not. Right, and then some pe then people will be like, oh, you were just, you know, babying the child or you're, you're rewarding them for their poor behavior. I go, no, actually, I'm not. I'm teaching. I'm teaching a different way. You know, those punishments and doing that, it's not going to work, especially if it's something like you do something at school and then I'm going to take away your switch at home. That, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, to me, like, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things going on. But first, I want to find out, like, how can anyone support your school? Because clearly, you have a mission that's unique, and you're trying to do something that's really serving um, kids who, who really need um, a different kind of environment. So what kind of support do you all need? <laughs> um, you know, for me, I would, uh, donations are great. You know, some people want to come into the school. I have a hard time, because um, I to me, people wanting to come in and help, it could also, if they don't know how to handle some of the behaviors that are coming in, so it's a full training, so that would be something that, you know, I would have to be doing some trainings on if they wanted to, but they have to be open to learning a different way. <laughs> so any support in that, but as long as, you know, there's, there's a reason for why we're doing what we're doing, and I think it's being very thoughtful, but money also helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, magnetiles. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, I really, it comes down to just awareness and, you know, I've done a lot with the kids. Like, we go, like, my 40th birthday, you know, I rented a limo for them and we went up to the vineyards. <laughs> Remember that one? <laughs> that was yep, fun. I, I mean, anybody that wants to open anything else, we've gone to Temple Nightclub. Um, they have an art show there that they opened up for us. Anything where these kids can have different experiences, I think is key. So if anybody has something that the child might actually really enjoy, um, I'm totally open to doing anything and everything. 
because um, I think the more of these kids are exposed to different ways and that there's other things to do because a lot of times parents are scared to take their child out if you know especially if they have a younger sibling and it's hard to manage everything yeah, I think that's important. As a board member on a small, you know, nonprofit school, like I think it's important to let people know that we really uh, kind of run on donations and support from the community. Um, and the vision that you have is really a lot of community-based activities. And, and so it's not just all in the classroom um, every day. So I think that's really helpful for people to know that um, they can donate by going to your website. Which is kfsschool.org. Awesome. Yeah. So I think we have uh, a little bit of time to just talk a bit more um, about the 3R method. And also you have um, books uh, out now that describe your, um, right. your strategies as well. So do you want to talk a little bit about those? Right, so the 3R method, which is um, the social-emotional learning curriculum that I developed, which actually was just picked up by San Bernardino School District, district-wide, for Tier 3 children, which I'm very excited about, in Spanish <laughs> and in English, so that's exciting. Um, they will be working with How to Do Parenting with Confidence, the book that goes there, along with this uh, parenting self-care journal, um, Parenting with an Open Heart, because I think it's really important to understand that, yes, the child's having behaviors, but it's also not personal to the parent. I think a lot of times we take things so personally. So it's a way to look at a behavior and be like, okay, what is my child struggling with? And when he tells me that I hate you, it's really that I love you. Because I think that's the message that we need to look at when a child is so upset and they have a mouth on them. <laughs> they can say some things and I've been fired a couple times. Um, that it's just, it's coming from a place that they're struggling and it's, you're that safe zone. So. And the three R's is really about how do you look at your own behavior and how does it affect other people and what is a different way that you can do. So the redo and the rewind is there's other ways to teach. And when you're teaching a different skill set, that's giving a child the tools to be able to have a friendship, understand how their, their behavior has consequences and it affects other people. And I think that is the biggest part, especially for parents and, and teachers. So I do more workshops and parenting workshops, things like that, so you can go to my my actual webpage, Vanessa, V-A-N-E-S-S-A-K-A-H-L-O-N.com. And if you have questions, you can email me at K-A-H-L-O-N, family services at gmail. And I'm open to any questions or if you want consultations. Most of the work I do, by the way, is going in the home. So, so if you want some support, just know that I'll be coming in. <laughs> yeah, I think parents will be really pleased to hear that. Um, that you, that's something that is rare um, and different from maybe traditional therapy services is that you're in the home really working one-on-one -on -one, um, with the kid and with the family. Um, so it's amazing. It's amazing to hear about all that you offer, and I'm uh, happy to have been able to talk to you about it today. Yeah, no, it's been great having you. <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. And next week, I'll be back. Oh, my God. <laughs>